everybody. Welcome to Supplements, the podcast for learning a little bit about wines and a lot about natural supplements. I'm Val. And I'm Ben. Stick around as we rate some wine and then discuss the specifics of a different herb, vitamin, or other natural supplement every week. Today, we will be tasting a white wine out of California and then chatting about vitamin D. Keep in mind that while I have a ton of knowledge in the area of supplements, I am not a doctor. This podcast does not substitute for medical advice. Okay, so good evening. Good evening, Val. And good evening, episode five. Episode five. Can you believe it? We're doing it. It's happening. You've really gotten the stride (laughs) on this. I want to mention our super fun wine glasses that we have here today. We've got a little bit of a Halloween-y vibe since we're getting closer to Halloween. There's little bottles and glasses and spiders all over the glasses, and they say, I'm here for the booze, B-O-O-S. Because Because nothing says... I got them from the dollar store. I look forward every year... I think Ben hates them. I look forward every year to drinking out of these glasses. Okay, today we are trying a Chardonnay Viognier from Fifth Note Cellars in California. And I'm going to be the one reading the card today while Ben makes all of the tasting guesses. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I'm not, um, in general, a huge fan of Chardonnay. Mm. So it's probably for the best this is happening. Not that I'm like a heavy drinker of Chardonnays whatsoever, but I think I enjoy Mm. white wine a a bit more than you. So a little bit about this wine... It is made from grapes that are grown in a cool climate, so it allows them to ripen slowly, which enhances their mouthfeel. The Chardonnay fruit. You don't know what number that makes it. No. Okay. No, no idea. But I was thinking to myself how much I was enjoying the mouthfeel. So just keep that away. Put that in your pocket. (laughs) And so it's supposed to have a tropical flavor that rounds out all of the other things in this wine. No. I mean, not for me. I think I'm missing that set of taste buds or something. I also noticed on the bottle itself that it highlights the presence or or the use of ginger, Greek herbs, and lemongrass. And I also just wasn't getting those flavors with this, although I do enjoy Mm. the taste. So they're probably there and subtly contributing, and I'm just not able to kind of... I can taste the lemongrass, kind of. I'm, I'm getting a very kind of full kind of classic Chardonnay taste, like that kind of apple, yellow apple or something kind mm-hmm. of taste. That's what I'm getting kind of punched with. It stays there and that's what I'm kind of left with. One I'm thing I'm a lot of other notes. I'm not tasting too much oak, which I actually really appreciate in this Chardonnay because I hate that in a Chardonnay. Oh. oh. Yeah, that's most Chardonnays, I feel like. It is most. Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, but yeah. I am appreciating that in this one. What kind of rating do you have for the body? Would you like to do body first do body. per the card? Or would you like to do... Is there something else that you're catching that you'd like to rate first? I'm fine with going as the card dictates. Uh, let's see. So body, as I said, I got a nice nice mouthfeel to it. So I'm going to go with a four for body. Oh my gosh, it's a four. I just... I really should have become <laughs> a wine taster for money if that were possible. If that were a thing. Not a sommelier. Ugh. I'm pretty sure that's a job. (laughs) Okay, so what are you thinking for acidity? Oh, for acidity? I actually felt this was pretty acidic. If I could give it a three and a half, that's what I would give it. Since I can't, I'm going to scale it back to a three. 
Okay, before I reveal, the description on this card here says that the cool influence of the weather also promotes a lively acidity. <gasps> was it a four? It was a three. I shouldn't have second-guessed myself. All right, three. Cool. Okay, all right, what about sweetness then? Mm, no idea. I'm going to completely guess, I mean, it's a white wine, and it's rare that I have a dry white wine. I'm going to say a three for sweetness too, just... Maybe that's a cop-out, but that's what I'm going with. Just three straight down the board. No, no. That's not what I'm saying. But for sweetness, <laughs> yes, a three. Uh, sweetness is a one. They rated it a one. A one? One out of five. Oh, fatal miss. Okay. I think... Let's just forget the sweetness and move on. I've also noticed that you tend to confuse the sweetness and the fruit flavors. Which... If, They're kind of the same thing. Yeah, they are kind of the same thing. So we found a wine book that a family member had actually given us for Christmas a couple years ago. So we've been flipping through it. You'll see on all of the ratings that they have, fruit and sweetness are not both there. Mm. I forget which one. They're not distinctive. Yeah, I think that I think it's sweet is there as a flavor profile to rate, but fruit is not actually there. Fruit is more something you can note, like it has different exactly Mm -hmm. tastes of fruit, different types of fruit. So it is it is mildly unfair to be asking you to like rate. No, it's on the card. I'm very in favor of rating for doing by the card. Yes. So what do you think for fruit? So for fruit. Again, I wasn't catching much other than the classic Chardonnay taste, so I'm going to go low on the fruit. I'm going to say two on the fruit. They said three on the fruit, so I guess you're not okay. like a wine right. genius I'm after going, all. i got to go back to sommelier school. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's the last one? Tannins. Tannins. I'm going to go big. I'm going to go big on tannins. I'm going to say... Hell, I'm going to say five on tannins. You're going to be real disappointed because there is zero. There's zero. Uh, <laughs> I zero don't even five. know what a tannin is. <laughs> I think we have a little homework to do for next week. I need to just straight up eat tannins. Ooh. Yeah. It's like grape skins. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yuck. That'll be, I'm going to have grape skin pancakes. Would you like to guess any of the food pairings or did the back of the bottle oh, happen the, to tell you? The back of the bottle was pretty helpful. Um, it listed a couple different things, probably things you'd expect like chicken, lobster, clam, white white meat and seafood. So yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But are there anything specific? Okay, so with the, notes, with the notes of lemongrass, ginger, and herbs that you saw on the front of the bottle, yeah. are there any food pairings that you might say oh, I gotta, those I'm, flavors? I'm guessing for this one. Okay. No, I'm just asking. Sushi. How about sushi? Close. Korean barbecue. Ooh, really? It's not close to sushi, but... No, but I would not have picked Korean barbecue. Um, That's interesting. Curry. Okay. Or crab cakes. Yeah, crab cakes. I can drink this with a curry, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of different kinds of curries out there. I mean, it's October, so I'm going to say pumpkin curry. We've got a nice... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Pumpkin. You can just do a whole episode on pumpkin if you want. I will not be doing that. And we can just leave that to that episode. Maybe I can I can be your pumpkin conscience and help you not bring up pumpkin for the rest. So of a couple time. other things about this wine. It is, um, as I said before, it's a Chardonnay Viognier blend. It's a 2018 vintage from California. The MSRP is twenty eight dollars, and it has a thirteen percent alcohol content. Mm. Would you purchase? Yeah, I would purchase. And it's been brought to my attention that I tend to fall back. <laughs> On the phrase, stand up, to describe most anything, including the wines that we've drank. And so I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to diversify my adjectives 
for wines that I appreciate. And so in the context that I think this wine would go really nicely, mid-morning, early afternoon, kind of lunch on a weekend, feeling in between relaxed and sprightly. It's a sit-down wine. Are you going to say that? No, I was not going to call this a sit-down wine, actually. That's clever. Maybe a little bit too close to a dad joke for me, but I want to call this wine celebratory. Okay. doesn't fit with what I was saying before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it just makes me happy. So I'm going to call this a celebratory wine. Okay. Yeah. I like that. How about this, though? It's making me feel sunny when I think of sunshine. I think of a specific vitamin. Ooh. <laughs> pass to you, Val. <laughs> It's a good one. Push pass across the table. Today we're talking about vitamin D. We've got a lot of really interesting facts oh, yeah? today. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I have done no research for this. I know this is about me, but I just want to preface this with that I am completely blank slate here. Did you look over my notes though? All right. In the interest of full disclosure to the audience, yes, I looked over some notes. But, but that's only, okay. But only the headings. Okay. So today we're <laughs> we're going to discuss the different types of vitamin D, what people take it for. There are a couple of really big uh, claims that we'll get to for things that vitamin D helps with. And we'll talk about them, but that's all we're going to do is just talk about them. I'm not recommending that anybody do anything with vitamin D to cure anything that they may or may not have or whatever. We'll get there. Um, Then we have some interesting facts about vitamin D. What to look for for signs of deficiency if you can take too much. Where you can find it in food, drug interactions, and that's going to be it for us. Cool. It always sounds like a lot and I do a lot of talking, but... You know what? I think I think we're doing it. I think we're doing yeah. it okay. This will be a by-the-book episode, you know? <laughs> Maybe some good surprises in there, but um, getting down to business. Cool. I'm excited. There are three types of vitamin D. There is D2, which you will see on the label if there is any D2 in your vitamin, as ergo calciferol. And normally this is what you eat in your plant-based foods. Plants make D2 in response to UV rays the same way that people make vitamin D3 in response to the UV rays Hmm. when it hits your skin. This is photosynthesis. I assume that it's like a product of it. Cool. Then there's D3, that's cholecalciferol, and that's what you're usually going to see on the label. And that is what your skin makes in response to UV light Mm. hitting it. Usually it's animal sourced. Most vitamin Ds that you find on the shelf, unless it states otherwise, comes from sheep's wool. Weird. Right. And so if you are a vegan, then you need to just make sure that you are finding a vitamin D that's labeled vegan. The D3 that's vegan comes from lichen. I know this show isn't about veganism. I guess I didn't realize that that includes sheep's wool if the sheep are not being... Well, you don't want any animal products, though. No animal product at all for veganism. No. Wow. I mean, everybody can define things in their own way, but that's interesting. Yeah. I I didn't know that. A lot of people were really surprised whenever they came in looking for it, and they'd be like, well, I'm vegan, but does it matter? Do I have to get that one that says vegan? And I'm like, well, that D3 is made out of sheep's wool, so... Dun, dun, dun. People are always very surprised. I mean, it's natural, right? Because it's from the sheep, but... And yeah, the sheep's not being harmed. 
So I don't want to get too far ahead of you. I don't know. Is there a difference between the way that D3 and D2 are processed in the body? Both forms of D need to be synthesized in your kidneys and your liver. Oh, okay. So D3, I think, is a little bit more active. That's where you'll find the most supplements are D3. Mm. But yeah, that's that's the difference. Okay. Then I found vitamin D5, and that is a human-made synthetic form of vitamin D. And it's actually banned from the FDA for human intake. The uses that I found for it were in animal feed, so like for cows. It's not toxic to animals, so you'll find it in cow feed and dog food. The only human application that I could find was in prostate cancer. It apparently prevents cancer cell uh, multiplication without causing hypercalcemia, and that's high calcium levels in blood. You don't want high calcium levels in blood because it can start to accumulate in your arteries, and you can get hardened arteries, and then you get Mm. decreased uh, heart function. Okay. So the D5 is not really good at doing what regular D does, Mm-mm. but it can be used for other things right. in really special circumstances Yeah, or for dogs mm-hmm. and cows. So there are a lot of things that people take vitamin D for. Some of them are for bone health, clearly. That's the one that everybody knows it for. And immune function. It's also necessary for normal blood clotting and normal thyroid function because vitamin D has properties of a vitamin and a hormone. I thought that was really interesting that it can kind of function as a hormone in your body. I didn't look too much into it to be able to explain it. Yeah. My face is giving a puzzled look, mainly because I don't understand the difference between hormones and just regular molecules in your body. Like I don't understand, I don't really understand how hormones work. Well, it's complex. That's why people go to school for <laughs> ever and ever to be able to tell you about your hormones. It's true. <laughs> it's true. So vitamin D is one of the fat-soluble vitamins. Mm. The fat-soluble vitamins are A, D, E, and K. If I overtake a fat-soluble vitamin, does it just store the excess in my fat? There, yeah, there's getting... lots of places for your body to store it. Okay. And so you have a higher chance of suffering from toxicity. Mm. I mean, again, with these blood panels, you should just be getting your vitamin D checked anyway. So vitamin D is also necessary for the absorption of calcium and phosphorus, and that is why it is important for your bones. Bone health. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All bones? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So there are a couple of really big things that I found that vitamin D helps with. Okay. The first one is that it can help regulate your heartbeat, which I hadn't really heard before. So I looked into it and it turns out that it increases an enzyme called renin, R-E-N-I-N. And I'm spelling it because there is another enzyme that I think might also be pronounced pretty similarly that has to do with infants and breastfeeding. So it's not the same Mm. enzyme. The renin enzyme regulates the amount of blood and fluid that goes through your arteries and veins, and it balances how much the arteries constrict. Oh, That's how it helps regulate your heartbeat. I thought it was so interesting. I didn't realize that it played such a big part in that. Does it have to do with blood pressure as well? Yes, because of the fluid that it allows to come through. Oh, interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing that is huge is that a lot of people with cancer have been shown to be vitamin D deficient. The highest deficiencies of vitamin D have been associated with more serious cancers. There are actually a lot of research papers that I found on the NIH website. And so I'm not going to link any specific papers this time, 
But I do encourage people to go over to NIH.gov and just type in vitamin D and look at all the papers that come up. There are so many studies happening with vitamin D and cancer and how they're linked. I mean, if you're interested, it's definitely worth just like a little bit of your time to go over and read about it. I couldn't really decide like which one to pick and talk about because they were all so interesting. Yeah. So. And if they're on the NIH website, then they they at least pass the laugh test, right? You know. Yeah. They, you guys will hear at least me a, like a, a relatively serious study. Yeah. You hear me talk a lot study. about different studies that I found on the NIH website, and I really like to use that website as a source. If there's a lot of studies happening that have been peer-reviewed and there are many authors on these papers and they've gone through all of these really stringent review processes, mm. then I feel like they've got to be reliable. And so if I'm going to be providing people with information, I just want to make sure that it's something that I trust. Right. Plus, they make these fact sheets on every vitamin. And um, I will be sharing the fact sheet on vitamin D for this episode from the NIH. But I love it because it, it outlines basically every single thing that we're talking about, the different kinds, signs if you're not getting enough or too much, all kinds of different studies you can find on that website. And so I just think it's a really useful tool if yeah. there's even anything that you're wanting wondering about that maybe I said or didn't cover enough, you can always go check there too. And then the last big thing that I found about vitamin D being helpful with that many people will probably be interested in, you know, it's supposed to help your immune system. Therefore, there have been some studies about the link to COVID-19 and how severe it will affect your body if you may or may not be deficient in vitamin D. Hmm. There's a lot of different articles out about it that I've seen, but all of them go back to this one study from the chief of hospital of medicine at the University of Chicago. This doctor tracked the coronavirus infections of 489 people that had their vitamin D levels tested within a year of being tested for COVID. And it showed that the patients with a vitamin D deficiency were almost two times as likely to test positive for COVID. And does it matter what time of year that they had their vitamin D tested? That's an excellent question. And also like, where were they living at the time? Yeah. And had they gotten over or were they still recovering too? Like all these, I don't know. Not all of these these people tested positive either. So it's just, it's about the incidence of testing positive. And this is also in the middle of quarantine when we're all spending a lot more time indoors. Right. Or I, I would assume people in Chicago are spending more time indoors than we are. Why? Because if you're in a city, maybe it's harder to get out. Oh, true. Maybe not. Another way that vitamin D has been linked to COVID is that in general, it's been shown to lower the risk of respiratory infection. Hmm. And since COVID is a respiratory virus, it can kind of make sense that this would be an avenue that people would try and study to see. Sure. It's just so hard because COVID is so new and so things are always changing and everybody wants these studies to tell them what to do or what not to do. But the fact is that studies take a lot of time. And so this one is out. It seems to be pretty reliable. There's a lot of information about it out on the internet. So I decided that I also was not going to post a link to this. You can give it a quick Google if you would like. It's as of the time of shooting this episode, it's basically the only study out there that's linking vitamin D to COVID. So I'm just, yeah. I'm just shrugging over here. Yeah, you're shrugging me up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds, sounds reliable and thought provoking, maybe narrow in the findings, but you know, more to come, hopefully. I mean, I will say I supplement with vitamin D 
My levels were were not deficient, but they were pretty low. Mm. And I've been feeling way better since since taking this supplement. So That's a big deal. It's a very big deal. The vitamin D that I'm taking is Nutrigold. It is a 5,000 IU and it comes from lichen. So it is a, I am taking a vegan source, but I mean, I like that in my supplements, but I don't think it's that important for this one specifically. Anyway, I feel great. It's great. I love it. <laughs> Did you read the percentage of Americans that are vitamin D deficient? No, I didn't. Did actually. you happen to see that? Nope. Okay, pop quiz. What percentage okay. of Americans are vitamin D deficient? My gut wants to go high and say like 72%, but I don't know. I think... What does logic dictate? I haven't heard yet where we get vitamin D from other than animal products. The sunshine. Well, the sunshine too, right? But I mean, in terms of food, I feel like we all are pretty good about eating our animals. Do you want to hear where they come from, where it comes from first before you make a guess? Nope. Are you sure? Mm. Because we're going to go over it anyway. I think now's a good time. All right, let's go over that and then we'll come back. And that way, maybe, and then other people can guess with me. Be thinking there are not that many food sources for vitamin D. Okay. Fish liver oil. So if you're taking your omega threes. Oh, all right. Okay. Um, Which is not everybody in America. No. No. Mackerel, halibut, oh, yeah. <laughs> salmon, sardines. Love me some canned mackerel. So if you're not, um, if you're not a seafood eater, then just forget about it. Okay. Dairy products because they're fortified. All dairy products fortified. Not all dairy products are fortified. I mean, most of them, I think, actually. Yeah, that's right, because you have, like, the vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah, right, because they they advertise the calcium. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. Egg yolks. Okay. Liver, oatmeal. Egg yolks. I mean, right there, right there. Everybody's eating eggs. Right, but I didn't look up to see how much vitamin D is actually in one egg yolk. I'll actually look it up while you're thinking about it. Well, I've got my answer. Oatmeal and raw mushrooms. Hmm. You cook it and it and it um, breaks it apart. Cook the mushrooms and it breaks apart the vitamin D. Probably, yeah. It probably breaks down then when you cook it. I would love to know, as an offhand comment, I would love to know which vitamins are like most heat resistant. That's a very interesting question. If we can write that down somewhere and remember to, because yeah, we all cook our food. Yeah. So, I looked up this egg yolk. There's 37 IU in one egg yolk. Yep. The daily recommended intake is 600. Okay. I think, I believe it's 600 IU. That's so. a lot of eggs. That's a Gaston's yeah. dozen of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How many percent of American Americans you said? Just Americans, yeah. Just Americans. Uh, I'm going to say 14% are deficient. 14, 1, 4? 1, 4. Okay. The answer is 40, 4, 0. No. Yeah. 40. 40. So people at risk of, of all ages I mean, of Americans. I mean, nobody specifically asked me, so I'm not really sure who's being surveyed here, right. but 40%. Wow. And I think that I pulled that number off the NIH. I have so website. many questions about that number, but I don't think we have the answers. You know who does, though? The people that wrote those papers that are published, and you can definitely just, <laughs> just like, look them, them up and contact just them. Just start email blasting the corresponding authors. <laughs> We should just put their emails on here. I'm not going like. to do that. It's not happening. Uh, People at risk. Yeah. 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 Well, it'd be interesting to know, like one thing I'd be curious about is if that 40% means that a person just becomes at risk at some point in the year versus... I think it would be interesting to see when everybody is tested too, yeah. like where they got their percentages. Mm-hmm. Or if yeah. it like goes up to 60% in the winter and down to 15% yeah. in the summer or something. Maybe 14%. Who knows? So people at risk <laughs> are people with darker skin have a hard time absorbing vitamin D because the high amounts of melanin 
reduce your ability to produce vitamin D from the sun. Mm. People with liver or kidney disorders, because like I said earlier, your liver and your kidney have to synthesize the vitamin D, whether you're supplementing with it yeah. or you're getting it from the sun, it, it has to be synthesized. So if your liver or kidneys are not functioning, then there's no way that you're going to get all of that vitamin D converted. So the most she's... interesting <laughs> thing to me was that people that live above the 37th latitude get almost no vitamin D from the sunlight from November to March. Now we talked about this earlier and so, so I, I feel like I... So my mouth is not hitting the floor right now. Correct. Otherwise it would be. That is, but... that is stark. So, and if, that's worldwide. That's all of Europe, essentially. I will post a map of exactly where the 37th latitude line is. Okay. But when I looked it up for the United States, I was actually quite surprised. The 37th latitude line means if you live in the following, you're getting a little bit of vitamin D from the sun. So if you live in the following states, you're good. If you don't hear your state listed, and it's, it's a lot of them, you should probably start thinking about getting some kind of vitamin D supplement and taking it for the winter. If you live in Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, or North and South Carolina, you're good. Okay. That's it. Everybody else. Everybody else. Run for From it. November to March, <laughs> just go take your vitamin D. You will feel less sluggish. It will be easier to get out of bed, I promise. But the 37th latitude line this, is not like as high as I expected. This sounds like Interstate 40, right? So like if you're below Interstate 40 or, or close to 40. it, you're okay. If you're north, maybe maybe think about it. I just thought that was Man. so interesting. Well, I mean, is that what? Get a little geography lesson. Seasonal affective disorder? I mean, is that I think so. It's got to be part related? of it. Another fact, if you exclusively breastfeed for a prolonged amount of time, you need to make sure to supplement. I did not look up, quote, a prolonged amount of time was, but if you are breastfeeding and only breastfeeding and not supplementing with like cereals, make sure that you supplement with vitamin D because exclusive breastfeeding for a very, very long time without supplementing has been linked to rickets in infants because there's just not enough vitamin D. What, to go around for the both of you? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a good thing that supplementation with vitamin D exists for this situation. Vitamin D is also, I mean, it's it's fairly cheap. It's really cheap, actually. I think you can get a good quality vitamin D for like six bucks or something. Is there anything on the label that would tip people off to quality? I mean, you, you mentioned the different types. I guess I would just say pay attention to where it's sourced from. If you can't really tell and it's not a brand that you know, then you can always just... Just email them and ask. But I think just kind of in general, the, the cheap vitamin D just kind of comes from sheep's wool. and It's fine. And that's that. Especially if you're not vegan. It's good to go. I don't know how much like byproduct of what the sheep is eating and stuff that you're getting from their wool. It's not like you're eating their organ meat or... Right. So it's I'm, also probably extracted too. Yeah. So I'm just... I'm not... We're speculating. I'm not positive that vitamin D is one that you have to watch like extraordinarily closely. Yeah. Do you want to know how you can tell if you're deficient? I've been dying to know. Wait, blood panel. That was it. If door, you don't want to get a blood door, panel. Door-to-door <laughs> -door blood panels. That's what I'm counting on. You can have a little bit of depression or fatigue. So like, yeah, kind of think of how you feel in the winter. 
when you just like can't get out of bed and your whole day is just like your body just feels so heavy and then you get home but like you don't really want to make dinner and going to bed is even a chore like bake a million cookies or build a costume you don't have energy to do that stuff (laughs) if you're feeling like that but there really are not any other signs of deficiency that i could find those are pretty generic that's kind of a it's kind of hard. I also found that a lot of people don't really get symptoms. So then like, no big deal. Who cares? Why even bother supplementing? Bones. But yeah. Do you want brittle bones? Because like, I don't. No, never. Right? I don't want... Can you get rickets as an adult? I mean, when you're older, you know, like you can fall and then... That's it. Your hip just like breaks That's or it. something. And yeah. then, yeah, you can't really ever heal no, from thank that. thank you, ma'am. Mm-mm. I think that I read on one of these studies on the NIH website that it is just kind of a good idea for everybody to supplement with a low dose. Before I got my blood panel, I would supplement every once in a while. So like I had a bottle and I would take one every like two days or three days. And I thought that like, you know, just taking some is better than taking none, especially because it's a fat soluble vitamin. And I didn't know what my levels were looking like. But also if you take a multivitamin, it will be in your multivitamin. So you'll also be taking some there. Well, can you take too much? I mean, that's the fear, right? (gasps) Can you take too much? That's my next thing. It is fat soluble. So, yup, you can take too much. Okay. Just like anything. I feel like I'm just going to repeat that for every single thing. Okay. That we well, then talk let about. me ask you a better question. Uh, how much is too much? And what, are, what happens to me if I take too much? So, hypercalcemia, like we talked about earlier, where you have too much calcium in okay. your blood, it can harden your arteries, it can make you sick. It can make you dehydrated. Am I at risk from taking from from getting hardened arteries from taking a multivitamin? No, no. If I already get enough, vitamin you also D for have my to be my sunshine. So my sunshine. <laughs> hypercalcemia is too much calcium in the blood. You need vitamin D to kind of regulate that. But also, if you have too much calcium in your blood, you're probably taking too much calcium, like supplemental. Okay. Anyhow, you know what I mean? Okay. I mean, we'll do an episode on calcium eventually, but I cannot stress the importance of taking a good calcium supplement. Like, try not to take one that comes from limestone. Okay. They're just not the best. Preview. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. The upper limit for adults for vitamin D is 4,000 IU. Okay, which is... Given that most people are not really eating a bunch of seafood and an egg yolk has 37 IU in it, unless you're supplementing, you're not going to really hit 4,000. Okay, but if people are supplementing at a quote-unquote low dose, keep it under 4,000. Yeah. Keep it well under 4,000. 1,000 is like a pretty standard amount. Mine is a 5. I take it every day. It's a 5,000 IU. And I'm sure that changes for for kids. It must go way lower. There, for kids. yeah, there are different there are different levels, and I can post that too. Okay. So this is this is all I've actually prepped. But there's one thing that I think is also important to note is that if you're taking calcium for bones because you have bad bone density, I would maybe consider switching to a bone supplement. I feel like this is a good episode to bring this bone supplement thing up. Theme. Well, yeah, because I don't. A good bone supplement has so many different things in it. You don't want to just take calcium because you don't want too much calcium in your blood. And there are all these vitamins and minerals that work synergistically for a very good bone supplement. So what you want to look for is calcium, clearly. Mm -hmm. You want magnesium in your bone supplement with your calcium. 
You want vitamin D, you want vitamin K. Those are four things that you really want that are going to be in a very good bone supplement. If you're just taking calcium, you're not doing it. If you're just taking vitamin D, it's not happening. So like if you're just taking vitamin K, it's, I mean, you need all those things together sourced from very reliable, preferably like plant-based if possible. Mm. So your body recognizes them as food. Your body can maximize that expensive vitamin that you're taking. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty incredible. Like, I think one thing I've learned just from the first four episodes, now five episodes that I've done with you, that these vitamins, there are like many different molecules that fit under the same name of, of a vitamin. And so when you say plant-based versus animal-based versus synthetic... I originally thought that like, I mean, kind of who cares because a molecule is a molecule and your body, as far as your body recognizing it, right? There's many other reasons to care about mm-hmm. the way things are made, but in terms of how my body identifies it, it wasn't clear to me why plant-based versus animal versus something synthetic would matter. But now learning that you just mentioned in this episode, you've got D2 versus D3 versus D5, and they're slightly different molecules mm-hmm. made in different ways. And so, yeah, if they're different molecules, your body has... I mean, it's intuitive that your body might use them differently. My personal opinion on vitamin D, like D2 versus D3, I don't think it's that important, honestly, which one you take. You're going to find mostly vitamin D3 on the shelf pretty much wherever you go. I've seen a couple supplements that are like total vitamin D or I don't know, whatever they're called, but they have a combination. Okay. And that's fine too. But I think the important part is like if you're deficient that you're just taking it. And if you're vegan, get a vegan one. And if you are above the 37th latitude, then it doesn't matter if it's 75 degrees in December. You're still not getting any vitamin D. That's got to (laughs) be. I just can't. There's got to be something about like if there were no clouds in all of the winter and you were able to go outside and just like live outside, surely you would get enough. So the earth is not tilted in a way that we are receiving you. UV rays from the sun. Right. But. But it's just like not tilted in that correct way. Fair enough. Should we visit NASA's website for this? What I'm hearing you say is that the wavelengths that are required for stimulating the vitamin D synthesis in your body are absorbed through the atmosphere when the earth tilts enough and it passes through enough of the atmosphere before it gets to you. All I know (laughs) is that I'm taking my vitamin D daily. Every single day, it's happening. (laughs) All right, 37th parallel. The last thing that I have here is for drug interactions. There are a few drug interactions. It's not that vitamin D will interact with the drug. It's more like the drug will interact with the absorption of vitamin D. I wasn't going to go over all of those, but I will link the fact sheet from NIH Anybody that is interested is encouraged to go ahead and look at the fact sheet. And that's our show for this week. Please remember that nothing you heard here is meant to substitute for medical advice. I will put all of the info that we talked about today on our website and also on Facebook and Instagram. The things that I will post are the wine that we tasted and a few notes about it, the map of the 37th latitude line, so you could see exactly where you fall on it, the NIH fact sheet on vitamin D. I will try to find also an infographic that has foods with vitamin D and hopefully also their content. If you haven't followed us yet on Facebook or Instagram, you can find us at facebook.com backslash supplements 
or instagram.com backslash supplements. And don't forget that we have our own website now, supplements.weebly.com. If you have any questions about anything that we might not have covered on this episode, or if you have just general feedback you'd like to share or requests for what supplements I should cover on the next episode, please email me at supplements at gmail.com or visit our website and fill out the contact form. And as always, if you liked this episode, please remember to subscribe. Find supplements wherever you listen to podcasts.